Hello, I'm Rhonda Nowak for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. This is The Literary Gardener for July 30th, 2020. The topic this time is Wild Irises Are Finding Their Voice Again. You who do not remember passage from the other world, I tell you I could speak again. Whatever returns from oblivion returns to find a voice. From the center of my life came a great fountain, deep blue shadows on Asia seawater. Louise Glick, The Wild Iris, 1992. American poet Louise Glick won a Pulitzer Prize for her slim volume titled after the first poem, The Wild Iris. All of the poems are set in a Vermont garden at different times of the year and are told in one or more of three voices, flowers in the garden, the gardener, and or a deity. In The Wild Iris, the flower tells the gardener how it was buried in the dark earth and then reemerged in the springtime to find its voice, its beautiful color, once again. The poem provides fitting imagery for my delighted discovery of a species of native iris called Douglas's iris, emerging on our property in Bandon, where Jerry and I have escaped the summer heat. For decades, the iris seeds were denied germination by a dense thicket of prickly gorse that claimed the disturbed earth after previous human inhabitants vacated the premises. When we came along and removed the gorse, the dormant seeds seized the opportunity afforded by the newfound sun and moisture, and this year iris shoots began popping up all over the property in clusters. They're too immature to bloom yet, but I'm eagerly anticipating next spring when the irises will finally find their voice, their beautiful color, once again. In the meantime, I've been learning more about Oregon's wild irises, the Douglas's iris, Siskiyou iris, yellowleaf iris, golden iris, western blue flag, and toughleaf iris. Together, these irises are part of a group called the Pacific Coast Natives. The PCN irises readily cross-pollinate and produce natural hybrids with beautiful color combinations. The Douglas's irises, growing on our cleared property, is the only evergreen native species. Like the Douglas fir, which is actually a pine tree growing in abundance on the property, Douglas's iris is named after David Douglas, a 19th century botanist who described the plant after finding it growing in the open woodlands and coastal grasslands of Northern California. Douglas's iris has adapted to southern Oregon's rainy winters and dry summers. This native species grows best in full sun along the coast, but it appreciates some afternoon shade in inland areas. It prefers well-draining, slightly acidic soils, pH 6.5, with plenty of organic matter. Douglas's irises grow from a tiny rhizome, which makes the plants difficult to transplant successfully. The strappy, grass-like leaves eventually grow in fans one to two feet tall, and the stalks bearing flowers grow another foot above the foliage. Each branched stem produces two or three flowers in the spring, which range in color from white cream to light blue violet to dark purple. The flower structure consists of three upright petals, called standards, three sepals, curving downward, called falls, and a white or yellow patch called a signal. Douglas's irises are beardless, meaning they don't have a fuzzy caterpillar-looking growth on the top of the falls. 
Douglas's irises and other PCN irises are naturally resistant to insect pests and diseases, and they are deer resistant. They're open pollinated by native bees. Now that I know that Douglas's iris wants to grow on my property, my plan is to include them in a mixture of PCN irises and naturally occurring hybrids when we transform the area that used to be a gorse thicket into a meadow of native plants. We've been preparing the site by growing cover crops and adding compost to replenish the soil. The best way to grow PC and irises is by seed, although rhizomes can be planted in the fall. I may experiment with transplanting some of the Douglas's iris shoots that have been popping up on the property to see if any survive. I bought packets of PCN iris seeds that thrive in similar conditions to Douglas's irises, siskiyou, yellow leaf, and tough leaf iris. This fall, I'll sow the seeds about three quarters of an inch deep and drifts spread throughout the meadow area. Iris seeds will germinate faster if they're soaked in water for a day or two before planting. Next year, when my Douglas irises bloom, I can collect the seeds after the pods dry out and then sow the seeds in the meadow in the fall. Some gardeners recommend starting PCN iris seeds in compostable pots indoors and then transplanting the starts in the spring. It would be interesting to try both methods and see which one is most effective with my growing conditions. Once the PCN irises establish, I expect them to joyfully self-seed, so my meadow will increase and regenerate itself. I also want to fill the meadow with other native plants that will thrive in the same conditions alongside the PCN irises. These include flowering perennials that grow well with lots of moisture during the winter and drought periods in the summer, such as Camus lilies, western columbine, California fuchsia, showy milkweed, and several others. I'm inspired by Louise Glick's poem, The Wild Iris, and by the wild irises unexpectedly growing in Bandon. I like to think that my presence has helped the Douglas irises to find their voice and speak again. And that's it for the literary gardener this time. Thanks so much for listening and happy gardening.